Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. I'm Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church in South Florida, where our aim is to point people up to God, teach them to follow Jesus, and equip them to make a difference. Thanks for connecting with us, and we pray that you are blessed by this message. Well, hello, Vertical Church. God bless you. You're welcome to take your seats. It's good to be home. Always good to be here. Um, Such a joy. You know, some of you are familiar faces, and uh, always is good for me to be back here. I'm so thrilled that we get to partner with this church as we engage in many places in the world, actually 32 nations, we are involved in engaging with leaders. And so uh, recently, I spoke to Pastor Verge and said, we have some of our resources that we need to get into Spanish. And uh, he took one of my training programs and then took session for session and did it in Spanish. And now we have this available in Spanish, and the bad thing is people think the Spanish is now better than the English. (laughs) But just last week, we were on a call with lots of leaders in Spain, and we were thrilled that we could say we have a resource for you. And so in the next few months, Pastor Verge is going to teach the leaders in Spain. Isn't that exciting? That is marvelous, and uh, there are so many ways that we find connection with you as a ministry, and I'm just thrilled about that. Well, the last time I was with you, I was not yet a grandfather, but now I announce to you the coming of Caleb Smith. (laughs) Where is he? Well, he looks just like me, so he's a beautiful, (laughs) strapping youngster. I wanted to brag a little, but I think the Lord's trying to tell me, don't. Um, I am thrilled that I can share with you the Word again today and uh, be part of this series about the art of neighboring. And uh, I want to talk to you about the concept of love in action, love in action. Um, When I think about Jesus, just before He's about to leave this earth, and He speaks to the disciples, and He gives them a mandate. He commissions them, and He says, go and make disciples of all nations, and teach them all that I have commanded you. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, go and make disciples, but make sure that you teach them my command to you. Now, in essence, I believe Jesus was taking them back to just before He was to be crucified, you will remember, if you know the Bible and know that story, how Jesus had His disciples together at the Passover feast. And at that event, Jesus was speaking to them certain truths. 
one of the amazing truths that Jesus communicated that evening was when he took the bread and broke it, he poured the wine, and he lifted up this cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Now, you have to understand that was such a radical statement. Nobody had ever said that before when they had the Passover feast. That Passover meal was a reflection for all the Jewish people of how they were delivered from Egypt. They remembered that there was a lamb that was slain. Every house had to, had to slay a lamb and then take the blood and, and put it on the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over and that they would be alive as a family. And, and that was the catalyst to get them out of Egypt. And so for years, hundreds of years, they've been celebrating the Passover. And when they lift the cup, they're thinking about themselves as being delivered from Egypt. And here Jesus lifts the cup and he says, this was a shadow. This was just pointing towards this moment. That was the essence of the old covenant. But I'm telling you now, it was speaking about my blood that is about to be shed. I am the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world, and death will have no longer any authority over your lives. This is the new covenant in my blood. A powerful statement. Now, when they heard that, they were reminded of what the prophet had said in Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied that there will be a day where there will be a new covenant. And when the new covenant comes, it will be God writing His laws in our hearts. And He will change our hearts. And we, we will live new lives. And here Jesus says, this is the moment. It's the new covenant in my blood. But it's interesting, at that same meal, Jesus goes further. And he says, now that I'm telling you about the new covenant, I want to tell you about a new commandment. And this new commandment, I give to you. Now remember, a commandment is something that is expected to be done. It's a command. It's a commandment. This is the new commandment that you love one another. And actually, Jesus repeats this concept twice more in that evening, this very same evening. Just Let's read it, John 15, 12. He says, my commandment is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. It's as if Jesus owns this commandment. It's as if he says, this is, this is the thing that I am telling you, you have to go and do. This is the, the connection to the new covenant is this new commandment. All right? 
John 17, uh, 15, 17, this is my command, love each other. Now, you have to understand, Jesus is not saying this is a, a great thought, this would be great if you guys can do this. Um, you know, uh, maybe, you know, if, if you can really, you know, commit yourself, you, you can go and show love. Now, Jesus says this is the essence of what it means to become part of this new covenant. The moment you become part of this new covenant, you get a revelation. And what is this revelation? That you are loved by God. There is nothing that you had to do to be accepted in the beloved. He loved you in spite of who you are. And Jesus says now, when you get that revelation in your heart, I'm telling you, now you are empowered to love others in the same way. Because the key of the new commandment is the word as. As. As I have loved you. This is my commandment. Go and love in the same way. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm, I'm showing you the way. I'm showing you something that will reflect this new framework of living. It was the Apostle John that saw this picture. You remember, he's one of the disciples that journeyed with Jesus. He was close to Jesus. He heard all the teachings of Jesus. He heard everything that Jesus had to say. He saw how Jesus lived. He saw how he engaged people. And then when John writes his letters, he comes to this one point in, in 1 John chapter 2, he's writing this letter to the church, and he makes this statement. He says, and we are to keep his commandments. And then he realized, oh my goodness, these people, when I say commandments, their mind goes to all other places. Let me clarify what the commandments are for the new covenant. And then he says in verse 23, and this is is God's command that we, uno, believe. Believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. He says this is the first command. The first command is that you embrace the understanding of the new covenant that you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that you embrace Him as the reality in your life. God commanded that you believe in my Son. And then the Son came, and listen to what He then said, and love one another just as He, Jesus, has commanded us. Why is this so important? It's critical for us to recognize these are the two major components of the Christian life. The one is to believe and to embrace Jesus as the reality of your life. But then there is an outflowing, an expression, a, a looking towards your life that makes people recognize something has happened in your life where now the new commandment is the evidence that you believe in 
the new covenant. Now, John links these, and um, we see how often the New Testament writers connected these two concepts. Um, I'm going to take you through a quick little Bible study, all right? You ready for that? You don't have to find it in your Bibles. It's going to be on the screen. Just listen to the following. When Paul writes to the Colossian church, he says the following. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard, what? Uno, of your faith in Jesus Christ. And dos, of the love that you have for all the saints. Can you see how he connects them? To the Ephesian church. For this reason, ever since I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. He connects them to the letter to Philemon. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Half of you are getting it, so I'm going to carry on. The letter to the Galatians, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Can you see the connection? All right. The letter to the Hebrews, let us draw near with a true heart. One in full assurance of faith. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Right through Scripture is this connection. Always faith and love. Faith and love. You believe something and that translates into you now doing something. These are connected to each other. They are very important, and they are equally important. Listen to what the letter to the Thessalonians says. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and brought good news about your faith and love. In the second letter, he explains that. He says, we ought always to thank God for you because your faith is growing more and more, and the love for every one of you has uh, for each other is increasing. Important to understand, the evidence of the Christian life is measured in two things. Your belief in Christ, your love that is manifested. And these, as we read, are called the commandments. Now, here is the good news and the bad news. The good news is that most Christians believe that the Christian walk is based on us believing in Jesus Christ. And we recognize that's the key to come into the kingdom of God. The bad news, however is we didn't take the commandment to love as seriously as what we took 
the believing. But it's very clear. These are not either or options. These are a integrated reality. If you are part of the new covenant, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the command over your life is go and love as he loved. Uh, that, that is so challenging and that is so huge for us because we recognize that many times it's easier for us just to believe than to be able to see this transformation take place in our lives so that we can become those people who will manifest love. When Paul writes to the Ephesian church, he connects these two together again a little later in his communication in Ephesians 3 verse 17. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, when Christ dwells in you through faith, something happens to you that you will be rooted and grounded in love. It was kind of like this would be the governing ethic that would give definition to who we are. That, that, that the community outside will not just be aware that we believe something, but that they would experience something of, of the manifest grace of God through our lives. And this is called love. When, when Jesus speaks to the lawyer that tries to trick him in terms of what is the most important commandment, Jesus was so smart. I mean, uh, you call Jesus a genius, and I sometimes wish I could be so quick like Jesus to answer people with, you know, the insights and the wisdom that he had. But he was so smart because he said, let me tell you, if you want to understand how all the commandments are brought together, he says it's really brought together in this one concept of love. But you could not understand this. You could not fathom this because I have come to show you what it looks like in the flesh. I've come to manifest this to you so that you can recognize this is what it means to love. And when you see how I have loved, I'm challenging you now, go and love in a similar fashion. That's the command that Jesus gives. But he, he, he quotes when in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 to 31, he he quotes this reference where he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this is heavy stuff. And he says there's no no other command greater than these. What Jesus was really saying, he was saying, listen, I want to tell you, there are these two dimensions. Your love for God 
your love for your neighbor. But don't claim that you adhere to number one if you're not also adhering to number two. This is really what Jesus was saying. Saying, listen, you've got to understand this because it's, it's easy. This is what John later writes about. He says, listen, it's easy to say that you love God, but if you don't love your brother, he says it's not true because there's something that needs to happen in your life that translates a new way of engaging your neighbor. And then Jesus goes to tell the story, and you've actually spoken on the story here in the last few weeks about the Samaritan. Now, that was radical, because remember, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans were different. They were in their comfort zone of, of this community that they were comfortable with, and Jesus is consistently extending the boundaries, showing them how to engage with the Samaritans, how to engage with the tax collectors, how do you engage beyond yourself? What is this love that he's speaking about? It's not something that's just exercised within the context of a comfort zone, to love those that love you, to love those that, you know, it's easy to engage with. The very essence of Christianity was that you will go beyond your comfort zone so that you can start loving even those that you find it difficult to engage with. Now, I know this is, this is not easy. But I want to tell you something of my own journey. As I had to transition into some of this understanding. In the early years of our ministry, I was often speaking about the importance of us engaging our city and touching our city. And, and I, I suppose I drove the people crazy about the city stuff. And so there were a few uh, police guys in the church that came to me after one service, and they said, Alan, you're always talking about the city, but do you know how bad the city really is? I said, oh, well, you know, educate me. They said, we'd love to. Would you come to the police station downtown in the city? That's where all the bad stuff was happening on Friday night um, at 12 o'clock. I said, by all means, I will do that. And so I'm, I'm going to arrange with a few people, leaders in the church, to go with me. And so on the Friday night, 12 o'clock, I arrive downtown in the city at the police station. They welcome us in. They have a, a presentation for us telling us about all the bad statistics of the city and things that are happening. And I'm, you know totally overwhelmed by, by the fact that there are so many things happening in the city that I never knew about. And then they decided they're going to load us up in a van and take me to all the dens of iniquity in the city and show me all the bad places. They wanted to shock me, all right? And so um, I get in the van, and, and, and here we start going to these places. I mean, I walked into places where I just thought, good Lord, could it be possible that people even want to be here? Um, and uh, I remember walking into one of those places, and somebody recognized me and said, Pastor, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, I'll see you in church on Sunday. <laughs> 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 
But as we were traveling through the city, I became aware that there are literally hundreds of people laying out on the pavements of my city. They're, they're on cardboard and newspapers. And, and I turned to the, the police guy and said, what, what are these people doing here? He said, they sleep here. And kind of with an attitude in my heart, I said, why do you allow it? And he looked at me and he said, because they have nowhere else to go. You know, in that moment, something happened. I, I suddenly realized I live out in the suburbs, the nice leafy suburbs of the city. I don't go to this area 12 o'clock at night. I am totally unaware of the pain of my city. And it just dawned on me that, that this was busy happening. And, and somehow I could have actually imagined it because it was in that season. Everything was changing in our country in terms of new democratic order. And people were coming from the rural areas hoping to get jobs, but they couldn't find. And, and they were sleeping in the streets. But I was totally unaware. And, and suddenly I realized this many times is part of our problem. We are unaware. We're unaware of that which is bringing pain to people right next to us. But we are so used to just engaging our lives in a particular way. And God wants to do something in our hearts. He just wants to bring you to a place where maybe you just become more aware. Just more aware of what perhaps is happening behind the walls of your neighbor's house. Just aware that, that, that maybe there's something that you can be a blessing to, that you can encourage or, or help or support or, or do something that manifests the love of God to those people. Well, it deeply impacted me, and I, I was grappling with this. Uh, many people in the church knew that I was going on this excursion, and, and so that Sunday I arrived back at the church, and they were expecting me, you know, to communicate about the sin of this city. And I said, I, I remember my words. I was saying, you know what? Before we get all strung out about the sin of the city, I was deeply impacted about the pain of our city. And could we do something about the pain? And I, I, I remember preaching that morning with so much conviction. And, and, and I preached the sermon, and it must have been a good sermon. Because two days later... Somebody arrived at my office, and he had two of these homeless people, and he looked at me and he said, So, Alan, what do we do now? <laughs> I, look, I looked at him and I said, huh? I don't know. Why did you bring them here? He looked at me and he said, But you told us. We need to do something. I thought, Well, yes, yeah, sure, but I thought, you're going to do something. And then it hit me. God's speaking to me. Alan, what are you going to do? This now becomes your neighbor. This is now your reality. How are you going to embrace this? And I realized this and I said, okay, I tell you what. 
Uh, we're going to figure out something. I'm, I'm going to arrange something. We'll get these people situated. And so we did. We kind of did that. And then the rumors started running between the people in the church. And they heard this. And then they started bringing more people. And I was like, guys, no, wait. Whoa. And, and, and people were coming. And, and as that was happening, I recognized God is busy speaking. God is challenging us. It's out of my comfort zone. I don't know how to navigate this kind of world. I, I, I have a very, you know, clear-cut functioning world and now suddenly I have to now navigate some of this stuff and and now I have to think about where, where do we go with these people and so we found a place and that was too small so we needed to find another place. Long story short, we find this three-story building, old derelict building, really needs attention but it's, it's a place and, and, and so I go back to the church and I have to say to them, guys, I've, I've, I have good news and I have bad news. Uh, the good news is we've, we've found a three-story building. We're going to start fixing this building and it's, it's, we're going to house people in the building. And um, the bad news is uh, the building is in a particular area that nobody wanted to go. Uh, and I could see some people losing eye contact with me immediately. And... Uh, I realized somehow I need to find a few brave people that will help us to go and fix this building. And so we fix the building, put new window panes in, get everything working. It's just too marvelous just to see the grace of God on this moment. And people start coming in, and we're situating them in this building. And uh, I'm totally unaware that what I'm doing, I have no idea what the implications are. And then it dawns on me, we might have just created a problem because I have just I've just concentrated the problems of the city in one building, and we are now responsible. And suddenly I realized, my goodness, we better do something with these people. We can't just keep them here in the building. They need, they need jobs. They need to get economically active. How are we going to help them to do this? And, and so I speak to a few business guys. One guy comes with the idea. He says, well, why don't we just start a recycling business? Because there's a big area there. We could actually put up a structure and dump you know, refuge there, and they can sort the stuff, and we can, you know, compact it and sell it, and, and so I thought it was a great idea, and here we go, and we start bringing all the trash of the city to this place. It was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was like, oh God, what have we done? You know, we're, we're trying to help these people. I'm out of my depth, but what's happening? I'm journeying with God journeying with God. God, help me to love. Help me to do something. I want to engage. These are my neighbors. And as I'm doing this, we realize this, this thing's not really going to work. And so we get this new idea. Why don't we start having individual skills and helping these people to, so we start with needlework for some of the ladies. We, 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 we get a guy that's training people in crane lifting, and, and, and so we do that, and, and, and one after the other thing, it evolved to now it is the premier skills training program in our whole region. We are training people in... In 18 different skills, 
We're putting a thousand people through the program every year, and 70% of them have permanent jobs. We have a job placement program running. It's an amazing thing that has happened, and here's the most wonderful part of it all, because part of that training program has a section we call life skills, but it's really just introducing them to Jesus and telling them that God has a purpose for their lives and God has a plan for their lives, and 70% of those people over the last 10 years have accepted Jesus for the first time in their lives with a written testimony. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. It's, It's a matter of just recognizing that God can take that one step just that one step of, of love, of, of taking responsibility, of engaging and multiplying that in a way that will surprise you. I mean, we often joke because the mayor of the city, when international guests come to visit our city, she brings them to this project and says, look what the city is doing for... <laughs> and we're like, yeah, that's good because we're part of the city. We recognize that the love of Christ is being manifest to our world. Listen, it's not just enough that you believe. It's the first commandment to engage the new covenant. But then Jesus, the Lord of the new covenant, gave another commandment. Not an idea, not just a thought. He says, this is my commandment. Go and love as I have loved. I I challenge you to recognize when we speak about neighboring, it's not just another program. It's not just another action. It's something that needs to come from your heart. Say, Lord, help me to start to live beyond myself. That I can make a difference. That I can represent the kingdom well. It's faith. And love together that makes a difference in our world. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we have been welcomed into this new covenant. That we are loved. That we are embraced. That that we are forgiven. That your goodness is flowing over our lives. Lord, now, just in this moment, in a fresh and new way, I pray that people would sense that that there is this challenge that the love of God can flow through us, that it can touch our community, touch our neighbors, touch people's lives. Help us, Lord, to recognize this is what we've been called to as your people. Be glorified in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Vertical Church Podcast. And thank you to all of you who give generously to this ministry. You make this ministry possible. You can always give online by visiting us at verticalchurch.com. And if you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, rate it, share it with your friends, and you can also share it on social media and tag us at vertical underscore social. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.